0: welcome to the fbclb podcast where you'll find the preaching of dave delaney pastor of the first baptist church of long beach thanks for listening Take your Bibles and go to Psalms chapter 75 this evening. The book of Psalms and chapter 75, we began some time ago. I can't even, it's been so long now, I can't remember. But we began uh, a study through the book of Psalms on our Wednesday evenings. And we are now at Psalms chapter 75. Psalm chapter 75. And if found your place, let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Psalms chapter 75. And we're going to read all ten verses together here this evening. And this will be an enjoyable study. and, And I think very profitable and very practical for our time together this evening. Psalms chapter 75. Really a psalm of worship. A psalm of worship. And a psalm of worship actually during a time of distress. A psalm of worship... During a time of distress. You say, well, how do we know it's a time of distress? Well, you'll get the sense in just a moment. But look, look at the, su- the, uh, the superscription for just a second underneath 75 and above verse number one. And sometimes that, that superscription of the psalm, sometimes it gives you insight as to maybe who wrote the psalm or what the event of the writing was. Notice it says, to the chief musician. Then it says, al Tashketh a psalm or song of Asaph. Okay, so Asaph is one of the three musicians that David had. So this is more than likely a psalm of one of Asaph, one of his children. Asaph were a part of the tribe of the levites so the tribe of the priest but their job inside of the priesthood was music their job was singing and trumpets this was so they were a role they were the musicians that provided music for the time of worship so this is a psalm of asaph but notice the phrase um altashkith see that phrase altashkith interesting it's not a name actually it's actually a word so it's not a person by that name. It's a word and what the word actually means is do not destroy or do not corrupt. Bible scholars think that this psalm was written at the time of the Assyrian invasion which is uh, recorded in the Kings for us. So think all those terrible tragic things you remember about the Assyrians invading Israel and then taking people captive and enslaving and murdering and think of all those things, right? Got all those images in your mind? That's what's happening when this psalm is being written. So Assyria is entering, destroying, ruining, wrecking, burning, pillaging, right? They're doing all those awful things. And this son of Asaph is writing a song for Israel to sing. He's writing a a hymn for them, a, a psalm for us. And he's writing it, and across the top he says, do not destroy this, right? So as they make their way into the temple, these... Assyrian invaders would have found these scrolls and different parchments and writings and they would have tore down most of what was left in the temple. But, but this obviously was, was spared. Do not destroy. Interesting, isn't it? Look at verse number one. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks for that thy name is near Thy wondrous works declare. Just okay, this, this, this the sense of the text for a moment. A Syrian army is invading. The psalm writer is writing a song that generations of children will sing from this point forward. Do not destroy this. And here's the first chorus, the first verse of the song. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Isn't that interesting? Told you this was going to be a good one. Look at verse 2. Speaking now, obviously, for the Lord. When I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it. Selah. This is the psalmist now speaking prophetically for the Lord and he's writing in this sense and he's saying, O Lord, to you we give thanks. Thy name is near and your works are what we declare. God responding back to the psalmist. When I shall receive the congregation I will judge uprightly. You get the sense? Verse 4. I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly and to the wicked, lift up not the horn. Lift up, lift not up your horn on high and speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion cometh, the, the word promotion, don't, don't understand it like a pay raise, okay? Understand it like victory. So, so victory or promotion or celebration, like the, the win. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor From the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, he setteth up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red, and it's full of mixture, and he poureth out the same. But the dregs thereof, and all the wicked of the earth, shall wring them out and drink them. But I will declare forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob and all the horns of the wicked also will I cut off. But the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Herbert Lockyer, writing on this passage, said, Psalms chapter 71 is Psalm chapter 1 played out in a very real and clear way. Remember Psalms 1? And blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. But the ungodly, they're not so... They're like chaff that the wind drives away. The godly man, he's like a tree, he's planted, his roots are deep. He's drinking out of the rivers of life. But this ungodly man is blown away. It looks like he's profiting. It looks like he's winning. It looks like he's promoting. But he isn't. Why? Because God is the judge. Because God is the judge. Do not destroy Is graciously pronounced over all those that are godly and shall not stand, is pronounced over all those that do wicked do not destroy, is graciously pronounced over all those that are godly, and shall not stand, is pronounced over all those that do wicked. What does that mean for you and for me? Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to use your word this this evening in our hearts and lives. Jesus' name we pray, and all the church said together, amen. Amen. Three points, number one. Three points, number one. How, How to not be destroyed? How to not be destroyed? Three ways. Number one, thank God for his wonderful works. Number one, thank God for his wonderful works. Listen to it in verse number one. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks that thy name is near and thy wondrous works we declare. This is nothing new in the Bible. This is nothing new for your scripture memory. First Thessalonians chapter five teaches us in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In in everything give thanks. Paul, the book of Philippians, while he is in prison, what does he say? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, what is it? Rejoice. It's nothing new. It's not something brand new you've never heard. But but how is it that we are not destroyed? How is it when the invading armies stand on the hill poised and ready to strike, how is it that we will not be destroyed? We will not be destroyed because we thank God. We remember those wonderful works that God has done. Here's what the psalmist is saying. Thank you, O God. For a very specific reason. He's thanking God for something very specific. Look at the end of the verse. Verse number one. For that thy name is near and thy wondrous works declare so what's he thanking God for oh give thanks to God God we give you thanks we are rejoicing always in you for what for that thy name is near and thy wondrous works declare so two things because God is near and because God's name is declared what is he thanking God for just look at the verse he's thanking God for two things He's thinking that God's name is near and that his wondrous works are being declared. Why are his works being declared? Because God's name is near. That's why. God is near because God is omnipresent. And God is near because God is everywhere. Well, God is near because God is not localized. God's not a Tribal deity in that sense. He's not limited by space and time and and force. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God can be anywhere, and God is everywhere. Right? God isn't limited to one place. So God is near. This is true for you. This is true for me. God is near. In fact, this is the argument that Jesus makes to his disciples. Remember this. The disciples are going, please, Jesus, don't leave us. We don't want you to leave us, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 I I need to go to my Father. Because when I go to my Father, I prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also, right? So you can come and be with me. And it's better for me to go. Because if I go, then I'll send another, a comforter who will not just dwell with you locally, one individual place, not localized, but will live with you, in you, the Holy Spirit of God, in your heart and in your life. God is near and that God is omnipresent. Wherever you are going, wherever you are headed, and wherever you have already been, God is already there. Think of it, any place you go tomorrow, God's already there waiting on you. Think of it, any place you go for the rest of the week, God's already there waiting on you. God is going with you. God is near. This is a wonderful principle shown to us all throughout the Bible. We'll spend time this weekend, Lord willing, on Sunday talking about the nearness of God, how we are even able to be near to such a God. God is near, but God has made a way for us to be near to him. So God is near, but second, why is he he thanking God for his wonderful works? Second, because God's name is declared. God's name is declared. We've hit this over and over throughout this year already, but God's name is a part of God's self-disclosure. You want to know who God is? Look at God's names. You want to know what God is like? Look at God's names God's names when God reveals himself he when he shows himself strong what does he do he 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 declares his name we don't we don't think of ourselves that way Say, well if you really want to know who I am look at what I do right this is true for us but for God if you want to know who God is look at his name because his name is unlike any other name does that verse ring a bell to you you thinking scripturally now because his name is unlike any other name and at his name what happens every knee bows every tongue confesses what do they confess that jesus is lord of all at his at his name right so god's name in the bible god's name is a self-disclosure you don't have to guess what god is like you don't have to wonder what his attributes are you don't have to Go, "Mm, I would think God is kind of like this. I think God is kind of like that. I think God, no, no, no. God's name is the self-disclosure of all that he is, past tense, but of all that he desires to be futuristically. You You ever studied the names of God in the Bible? You want a fun homework assignment for the weekend? Study God's names in the Bible, right? Can, can you think of any of them off the top of your head? You probably got a few like Jehovah Shalom, right? You probably, you probably got a few of them up, Jehovah Nissi, right? You got a few names. What are all these teaching us about God? They're teaching us something about him. It's God disclosing himself. It's God showing himself. You wanna know who I'm like? I'm like Jehovah Shalom. You wanna know who I'm like? I'm like a, a, a rock. You wanna know who I'm like? I'm like the, the good shepherd. You wanna know who I'm like? I'm like, this is what he's doing. God is disclosing something about himself in the sense of his name. So who God is, is disclosed in his name. What God has done is disclosed in his name. Okay, so we can think of this easily, right? If you, if you want to play the name game, right? Let's just do this really quick. Let's play the name game. Ready? Ready? I'm going to say a name, you think of something. Got it? Don't say it out loud because we, I don't know what you'll be thinking. OK, so I'm going to say a name and then you just internally think of something. OK, I'm going to say a name, you think of something. Here we go. Ready? Abraham Lincoln. Don't. Okay, Got it? See how it works? OK, here we go. Ready? Here's another one. Right? Let, let me think of a good one. OK, yeah, got one. Mother Teresa. Got it? Okay. Hmm. Let's think of another one. Jezebel. Okay. Got it? Alright. do another one. Ready? Adolf Hitler. Right? So you see how it works? The, the name is disclosing something about that, about that person. That's why you didn't name your child Adolf Hitler. Right? Like, really, really, honey, I was wrestling. I really want to name a Adolf Hitler. It just has a ring to it. There's something about it. It just strikes you, right? No, 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 no he doesn't. Right, ready? Judas Iscariot. Right? There's, a, there's, a, something, there's something disclosed. You see, except for all these people, it's disclosed after the sins. It's, it's history that discloses something about them, right? Your first boyfriend, got it? Remember his name? Your first girlfriend. Got it? Remember her name? Okay. So that's why your husband didn't let you name your eldest son after your first boyfriend. I don't want you thinking about him. I don't want you looking at him and thinking about that guy. You think about me. His name's Jude, right? right? It's why you didn't name your first daughter after your husband's first girlfriend, right? well Why? Does it, what are you thinking about that? Right? What are you thinking about me? Okay. It's in our sense, it's always past tense, but, but, but scripturally, biblically, it's in, in relation to God, it's always future tense. It's always future tense. You want to know who I am? My name discloses who I am. It shows you what I am doing. It shows you what I have done. It shows you who I promised. The name of God ties everything into God's character, God's attributes, God's purposes, God's plan. His name, the the songwriter was right. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Why? Because it teaches us so much about who God is. So thank God for His marvelous works. What are His marvelous works in verse number one? His marvelous works are two things. God is near and God's name is declared. And when God's name is declared, it's disclosing something about who He is, what He has done, and about what He desires to do. So the remembrance this is what we're going to do in a couple of weeks. The remembrance... Of what God has done is what the psalmist is doing while he's on the verge of being destroyed you see that the remembrance of what God has done reciting God's name God's near thanking God for his wonderful works declaring them by way of his name the remembrance of what God has done is what the psalmist is doing on the verge of of being destroyed. I don't want to be destroyed. How can I avoid being destroyed? Thank God for his wonderful works. Remember what God has done and how he was near, how he drew near, how he came near, how he made it possible to be together because of his son, the Lord Jesus. Remember his name. Oh, his name. It's so wonderful. There's something about the name. Disclosing something about who he is. Want to not be destroyed? Thank God for his marvelous works. Christians who spend no time at all reviewing or recalling or reciting all that God has done for them are believers who rarely sense that God is near. Look, look at look at the text I'm on the verge of being destroyed oh God I thank you God we thank you God we give thanks to you for that thy name is near and thy wondrous works declare So believers who spend time declaring the wonderful works of God. Remembering the good names of God. How God has disclosed himself to us in the scripture. These are the Christians who sense that God is near. They understand that God is near. By what? By way of remembrance. By way of remembering that God is this God for me, by his name, by way of remembering, then he is what? He's declaring, he's sensing what? That God is now near. This is, this is, this is how it applies to us. How, how does this help us in our, in our individual life? When we when we read the scriptures, we, we read the scriptures. Look here, that when we read the scriptures, we read the scriptures to see how God is revealing Himself in the scripture. You don't you don't read the Bible simply for information. The Bible has information, but you don't read the Bible for information. You don't, you don't read the Bible just for science. It includes science, but you don't read the Bible for you don't read the Bible for history. It has history, but this is what you read it for. The Bible is not primarily a book about science. It's not primarily a book about history. It's not primarily a book about information. The Bible is primarily a book about the revelation of God. God is saying, you want to know who I am? You want to know what I do? You want to know what my purposes are? You want to know what my character is? Here it is. This is the God I am. The Bible is a revelation of God to man. The Bible is. So when we read the Bible, we aren't reading for Simple information. We're not reading for simple memorization, although we ought to do those things. But we're reading the Bible. Want to sharpen your devotional life? When you read a passage of Scripture, read it and look for God in it. God, where are you in this story? God, where were you in this chapter? God, where were you in this? Read it and look for the attributes of God, the way God is showing himself to us in the scripture. Your, your devotional life will, will skyrocket if you do that. It'll take off. This is one of my practices when I read the Bible. I try when I get done with my chapter or two or three chapters, whatever I'm reading, I always like to go back. After I finish getting through the chapters, I like to go back and go, okay, where or what? Or how were the attributes of God being shown in this chapter? And what are those attributes? What is God like? Based off of what I just read, what is God like? This is, this is, this is, why, this is why the older saints always go, oh, the Bible, it's like brand new every day. It's like mercy's new every single day. Morning. Why? Because there's always a different way in which God is showing himself to us in the scripture because of a set of circumstances, because of the necessities of life, because of the struggles that we face at different seasons. Man, we read it and we go, wow, I didn't see this before. But when, when the name of God is near, his wondrous works are being declared, which means if I want God to be near to me, then I need to start rehearsing and reciting and remembering All the works he's done for me. See how that works? You open the scriptures not for information. You open the scriptures for revelation of God. Revelation of himself. Instead of getting up in the morning and just trying to get through your chapters and then going, I don't know what's so special about it. I read the Bible and I get nothing. Instead of doing that, open the Bible and go, okay God, I want to see you. I want, I want to know what you're like tell me about yourself tell me about who you are the Bible is revelation of God it's self-disclosure of him look for his attributes look for his attributes second when you find his attributes apply them okay this is easy watch it. psalms 23. the Lord is my you know it. what is it the Lord is my shepherd okay so it's an attribute of God that's an easy one to see. God is saying, this is what I'm like. Wow, God's character, God's nature is that he is like a shepherd. Now, apply it. Okay, so God says in this passage he's like a shepherd. He shows it by way of example. He, in, in this in, in instance, in Psalms 23, he literally quite says, I am a shepherd, right? Okay, so he's, there it is. Now, apply. How... Is God shepherding me? Right? So now you're taking an attribute of God away. God has revealed himself to you in the Bible. You're taking an attribute of God and you're actually applying it to your life. Oh, so sometimes the shepherd gets the hook and he gets the sheep and he yanks it back and he says, don't ever run away. And then the sheep runs off again and then he gets the hook and he yanks it back and he breaks the leg. And sometimes God is doing that to me because I really, really wanted to go get that promotion. I really, really wanted because all we... Let's just go to the verses. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think shepherd in the Bible. Think any shepherd you possibly can in the Bible. And what do you remember? Who's the who's the most fantastic example of a shepherd in the Bible? The, the, the king, David, right? The shepherd king is the shepherd. And what does the shepherd king do in the Old Testament? He goes, and he fights the bear and he goes out and he fights the lion. Man, the Lord is my shepherd, an example of a shepherd, going out, fighting the bear, fighting the lion, defending. Wow! God is like a shepherd and I am a dumb sheep and God is out protecting and fighting for me. See how it works? Want to not not be destroyed? Want to not be destroyed? Open the Bible. And instead of just going, oh, I've got to get through four chapters today. Oh, my word, four chapters in Leviticus? Did this guy even look in Leviticus before he gave me four chapters? No, no, instead go, okay, God, show me you. Wait, wait, wanna know, wanna, here's, here's something really fun. Want to walk through the Chronicles? Anybody, anybody through the Chronicles yet? Let me see. In your devotional reading? Me and Brother Miller. Okay, wonderful. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. You ever got there? Or did you just skip that section? Okay, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. You go, Whoa. really? This is, this is it? Like, this is the revelation of God? God says, here's what I'm like. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. You ever wondered why that's there? Hey, what, 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 what? Attributes of God, right? What's God like? Here's what God is like. God is a wonderful note-taker knowing exactly who is in his family. I have a hard time remembering my kids' names. Like, hey, you, which, which one are you? Ethan, Gabriel, Jesse, up. Uh, you, come here. God's never forgot a name. Did you ever think that from the Chronicles? God's never forgot a name. He's never going, hey, you. Number four, number four. Number, which one are you? Forget which one are you. The big one, the big one, the big ugly one. You, come here. You know what Chronicles shows us? God's a wonderful note-taker. He's never forgot one name. Even right now, he knows their names. They mean so much to him that he wrote them in a book. And he's preserved them forever in heaven. They fade not away. Did you ever think about that? The names recorded in Chronicles will never fade away. You lost your birth certificate. You had to order a new one. But God God recorded those names and they'll never fade away. Okay, wonderful. That's, That's... An attribute of God. Let's apply it to you and me. How does that matter for you and me? Well, are you in God's family? God's never, God's never woke up one morning, gone. Ah, uh, you. Which one? Ah, uh, you. Ah, uh, no, no, no. He knows you specifically. Now, just walk. Let's walk out of that. How does God know me specifically? God knows me specifically in so many ways. God knows me individually in so many ways. First, because he brought me into his family. How did he bring me into his family? Through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God adopted me into his family. I'm like his favorite kid. Now, how does God know me specifically? How does he know me individually? Well, not only am I in his family, but he knows every hair on my head, which means God knows me better than I know myself. Do you know how many hairs you have on your head? Well, some of you do, zero. <laughs> some, some of you are counting them as they come out into the comb, right? No, no, no but the, the implication is you don't even know how many hairs you have on your head. But God does. So God knows me better than I know myself. You see how it applies? God knows me better than I know myself. Which means when he he withheld that promotion that I thought I really had to have because then life would be awesome and I would get rich I would definitely give some of it to the church and God withheld that. It means God knows me better than I know myself which means the reason he didn't get it to me is because he knows something about me that I don't know about myself because God knows me better than I know myself because I'm in his family and he's never forgotten one name. You see, it, you see how it revolutionizes your, your devotional life? You want to do any more or you got them? You got it? Okay, it's 8.01, so we should, we should move on. We could keep going, but I won't. Thank God for his wonderful... Want to not be destroyed? Thank God for his wonderful works. Number two, look for his sovereign judgment. Look for his sovereign judgment. H- how many of you are prepared to say, I know more than God knows? How many of you are prepared to say, I know better than God knows? Okay, none of us. Which is, that's, that's the right answer. So, so watch what happens. So when I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. Okay, so this is, this is God speaking. God says, I have a set time. That's when I receive the congregation. If you, if you want to understand this, is all, all the Bible scholar, like, you know, you just got nothing to do this weekend. You want a fun thing? Do it with this. When he says, I shall receive the congregation, it's actually a reference to all the feast and all the festivals. Nobody had more feast and festivals than the children of Israel. I mean, you think, the, you think America takes a holiday at any given chance? You should see Israel's calendar, right? Israel Israel was having a holiday. A a whole week off for the Feast of Trumpets. Wow. A whole week off for the Feast of Tabernacles. Wow. A whole week off for the Feast of Booths. What? Yes. A whole week off. Like, they've never even gone to work. It was amazing, right? Oh, look, look, we got work. A whole week off because we just got work. Oh, look, we got food. A whole week off for the harvest season. Yeah, but there's harvest. Yeah, but let's just take a whole week off. Let's just leave it and let's just have a harvest party. They're celebrating and feasting. Every, turn, every time you turn around. But, but watch. He's saying, I, I, have, I, I will call them to me. This is set certain time. I have a set judgments. And what's he doing for the Israel? He's, he's setting these rhythms into their calendar. And he's saying, Look, I know what I'm doing. And I'm giving you these days, these feasts, these... these festivals i'm giving them to you for a purpose because they're showing you something remember the feast of the passover they're showing you something what happens on the passover god god slays a lamb in order to spare a nation right remember the feast of the passover do it because it reminds you of what god did in egypt but do it because it shows you what god's doing in the future so i'm going to have an entire feast that entire week celebration in remembrance of this right that's what he's saying I'll receive the congregation, and I will judge uprightly. The inhabitants of all the earth are dissolved, and I bear up the pillars. Watch the image. Look at the image. Images in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, they they will do wonders for you. Look at the image. I will bear up the pillars. So the image is the pillars are shaking, right? If he has to bear them up and hold them up, that means they're about to fall. So, so think, this will be easy for us Southern Californians, think the big one, the earthquake that's going to send us out into the ocean, right? And we'll be like Hawaii. So everything is shaking in the psalmist world. That's the image. Everything is shaking in the psalmist world. Why? Well, because an, an Assyrian army is invading. That's why. So so quite literally, everything is shaking for them, but it's it's also metaphorical for us. Everything in your life is being just shaken when your whole life is topsy-turvy. Guess who's holding you up? I bear up the pillars of it. You don't have to guess who's holding it up. God literally says, I'm doing that. You thought it was your creativeness, you thought it was your craftiness, you thought it was your retirement plan, you thought it was the way you got out of trouble, you thought it was the way you were so awesome with business deals, you thought it was the way you were so skilled at parenting. No, I held it all up by myself, that's what he's saying. Your world was shaking and topsy-turvy and going everywhere and I was... See it? You see it? You see how it changes just the way you even pray? Okay, look at verse 4. I said to the fools, verse 4 to verse 8 are really all the same concept. So you have the fools, you have the wicked. So he's saying, don't pick up the horn and blow it. There's another symbolism there. But he's saying, don't pick up the horn. Don't don't brag about how you're going to do all these things. Because you doing all these things actually isn't you. It doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It doesn't come from the south. God is the judge. Look what God's done. God puts one up. God takes another down. It's one election now, it's another election then. That, that should help some of you, right? It's, it's one king here, it's one king there. God sets up, God puts down. Think everything Romans 14 now. The powers that be are ordained of God, right? So, so think all of that happening right in one verse. Look at verse, eight for, look at verse eight, verse eight will help you. In the hand of the Lord, there is a cup and the wine is red. Okay, what's, what's in the wine? Well, it's full of mixture and he pours out the same. So whatever's in the cup, he's pouring it out. You see it? Okay. But, but what is it? Well, it's the dregs thereof and all the wicked of the earth. And he rings them out and they drink them. You see it? That, that's like our way of saying you're going to get some of your own medicine. You ever said that to somebody? You're going to get some of your own medicine. You yeah, reap what you sow, little kid. Right? Every parent has used that on their child when their child was being disrespectful (laughs) wait till you have kids you reap what you sow you will drink your own medicine right this this is literally what he's saying the the wicked and the foolish they're going around they're blowing their horn they think it's all about them they think they're the ones that got them in the power but just don't don't worry god in his hand has a cup the wine is red which means it's ready to be poured out the wine is red What's in the wine? It's a mixture of dregs and wickedness. It's the worst of the worst and God will make them drink their own medicine. That doesn't sound good at all. Okay, you ready to get out of it? Look for a sovereign. Number three, last one. And you know what you will find? Okay, you want to not be destroyed? Thank God for his wonderful works. Look for his sovereign judgments. And you know what you'll find? You. Personal, look at all the personal pronouns in the last two verses. I said personal pronouns and some of you went, what? Okay, so it's the word I. Look how it begins. We thank God. We thank God. We praise. Look at the end of the verse. I. See it? You know what you will find? When you thank God for his wonderful works... And when you look for God's continual, when you look for God's sovereign judgments, do you know what you will find? You will find continual joy. Look at it, verse 9. I will declare forever, I will sing praises of the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked will I cut off. The horns of the righteous shall be exalted. I will declare forever, I will sing, and I will cut off. All the personal pronouns. It's just completely different at the end of the psalm than it was at the beginning of the psalm. But do you know what actually happened? He didn't go, okay, Lord, we thank you for your wonderful works. We look for your sovereign judgments. Make all the bad people drink out of that nasty cup and let us drink out of the good stuff. And now we're all going to be okay. No, no, no. Because Israel still went into captivity. The Assyrian army still decimated everything. They still hauled off slaves. They still burnt down houses. They still pillaged. They still plundered. They still ruled and reigned, But not forever. But not for long. Because God sets up and God takes down. And really, God is the judge in the end. But you know what I can have? Well, I can sing praise forever. And I will rejoice in the Lord. You want to not be destroyed? want to not be destroyed. Three ways. Look or or, or thank God for his wonderful works. Look for God's sovereign judgments. And three, you will find continual joy. Remember Haman? Remember Haman? Remember the story? Mordecai and Esther. You got it? Remember the captivity? Remember she's in slavery? Remember Haman? Haman's the second in command. Haman writes the rules. Anyone who's of Jewish descent gets hung on the gallows. Haman goes, He can't wait to build a gallow for Mordecai. I'm going to build the biggest gallow. I'm going to hang Mordecai right in the middle of the entire town. And everyone will know that, that Haman hung Mordecai. You don't cross me, Mordecai. Remember that? You got that story going through your mind right now? Who went to the gallow? Haman. Mordecai never stepped foot on the gallow. No, Haman built the gallows for Mordecai. But the Lord gave Haman a drink of his own medicine. You see it? You know you what know the story of Esther, Mordecai, and Haman is? It's a playing out of Psalm 75. Because the Lord sets up, the Lord puts down. The Lord is the judge. And who has the joy? Who has the joy? Esther and Mordecai. Is their life problem free? Nope. Does, does the son of Asaph, does he, does he still go through the entire purging and pillaging and plundering of Israel? Absolutely. Are the pillars shaken? Sure. But are they fallen? No. Because God's holding him up. Do you want to not be destroyed? Man, I don't want to be destroyed. (laughs) Here's how you do it.